Your external accomplishments do not mirror or reflect the specialness you have inside you. Don't stay somewhere longer than you know you're not supposed to be there. And that's fucking a scary answer, but it is the answer. But that's that's the beauty of like taking the risks and betting on your specialness. That's what I keep telling people. I am just dumb enough to believe in myself. I'm dumb enough to believe that my specialness, if I take action every day, will lead me to something better than me being scared and living a mediocre life. Welcome to the Freedom Chasers podcast, where we bring you interviews and discussions that share the stories, successes, goals, and dreams of real estate agents and real estate investors pursuing a life of purpose and freedom. All right, guys, I am so fired up to have Maddie A here with us today. Maddie A, for those of you who don't know, is in our GoBundance community, and I am newer to the game. I've only been in there for about a year, but Maddie A is the name that you hear over and over again because this guy has done it all. He's flipped hundreds, if not thousands of homes. He has invested in experiential things like hotels, businesses, syndicated, you name it. So like, there's just so many different ways that he has created success for himself financially but he's also a family man, he's married, and he's got all of these different things he could talk about with us today. So we are so excited, Matt, to have you on. If you don't mind getting us started by telling us, like, what's your craziest real estate purchase or experience that you've had so far? Oh, man. We don't have enough time for that, so I'll try and narrow it down. Because once you've been in, you know, I've been doing real estate for 12 years now, and I've kind of, you know, I guess you could call climb the ladder of real estate, started off as wholesaling, um, you know, and I mean, I've had guns pulled on me when I was door knocking back in the day when I was trying to get my first deal, you know, out in the hood in Sacramento, uh, some, you know, white kid with his, uh, you know, button up shirt going and banging on people's doors. Um, you know, I've had uh, trees fall through properties, one of my hotels in a big storm this last year. Uh, literally, we had a tree branch like slice through butter go straight through one of our roofs into the ceiling of where somebody was sleeping. Uh, you know, I've lost a couple hundred thousand dollars on, you know, a development flip that I did out in the Bay in San Francisco. I've had some big wins, you know? Um, so you name it, man. I mean, I think every, we always joke around in our, our company and team, you know, every real estate deal has an ordeal at some point in time. It's not, you know, if something's going to go wrong, it's just a matter of when and, you know, how do you respond to that and get through it and learn from it and hopefully, you know, use that as kind of a, a stepping stone to the next win or success. So I've had a lot of uh, interesting, you know, learning lessons and inflection points of my real estate journey over the years. That's incredible. And you started your journey and maybe it wasn't right away, but you had partnered or were connected with a gal, uh, yep. Rachel, right? That who was doing the retail side and you went to the investment side. Yeah. And so that's really fascinating to me because being both an agent and investor, I get to see both sides of the aisle. And now that I'm on the investment side, I say it's better every time. No but doubt. Talk to us. Like for those that are thinking about, should I become an agent or investor? Like walk us through your thought process. Yeah. I mean, I kind of like when I was getting out of... Uh, college, you know, I had this expensive piece of paper and I didn't know what I wanted to do. And um, I was interviewing at all these places and it was like $30,000, 35, 38. And I was like, man, this is not going to get me where I want to go in life. And so I started kind of coming down with my hit list of, you know, what are all the things that I want? I want, you know, to be my own boss. I want time freedom. I want, you know, flexibility. I want to make an impact for others. And then there was like the last one was, but I want to build wealth. And so I kept coming back to real estate. 
Um, and I ended up working for a guy. I actually responded to a Craigslist ad um, back in 2010. And I went and worked for a guy back in 2010. There was foreclosures everywhere. I mean, you could sneeze and come across a, a flip or an investment opportunity that make you $50,000, you know, in profit easy. And so um, that first year, I worked for him for a full year for, for free. I mean, I was working 70, 80, 90 hours a week for free for this dude. But we flipped uh, over 100 houses that year. And that just exposed me to the world of investing and how profitable it could be. Um, but at the same time, I, I got my real estate license. And I partnered up with uh, uh, Rachel, and we started kind of building this this traditional retail team, and you know, kind of had the two different components of retail. And then, you know, I started slowly flipping and ramping up every single year. And so I was a, a realtor for five years, um, and then kind of built out the investment arm. And where it really um, there was a couple things that changed for me on that front. I think you know, for people that are really passionate about helping others and buy and sell, you know, and invest in, in real estate and they want to be on that service side of things. Real estate is an amazing entrepreneurial, you know, kind of vehicle for people to kind of check all of those boxes. But it was missing that last component for me, which was the wealth building. And that's where the real estate investing came in and why I started leaning more towards that. I started getting burnt out on, you know, people bitching about, you know, floor plans and colors of walls and, you know, the, the curtains don't match what I want. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm not good at like, I know this about myself. I am a, a logic based individual instead of an emotional, uh, you know, emotionally driven individual. And so that's where I loved real estate was it's like, hey, this is black or white. These are numbers and numbers tell the truth and the story of whether this makes sense or not. And what really was like the, the main thing that um, kind of uh, I ended up selling my shares and uh, kind of getting out of my partnership on the real estate team because uh, one year um, I had made quite a significant amount of money flipping houses uh, for a fraction of the time that I made in my real estate team for a fraction of the money. So I was making like six times as much money for a fraction of the time on my flipping business. And I was spending, you know, six times as much time dealing with the agents on our team and all the BS on the, on the real estate kind of retail side of things um, for a fraction of the money. And so it really was the logic behind it was like, this just makes sense to go in this direction. It felt more aligned with kind of what my, you know, North Star was and the vision I had for my life, which was, do I want to be, you know, dealing with agents and retail clients in the next five years? Or do I want to be building an investment portfolio and unlocking financial freedom and, you know, doing other things that were more down that path that I'd seen for myself. And so that's where I kind of, you know, went all in on my flipping business and partnered in a construction company. Um, and then that led me into buying my first commercial real estate asset and then buying more commercial properties, which then led me into hotels and private equity. Um, and so kind of this sequence of, you know, kind of following the breadcrumbs of what I wanted for my life and not necessarily knowing where the path or the journey would take me, but knowing that that was not the place I was meant to be. And I kind of always tell people like, don't stay somewhere that you don't feel like you're supposed to be longer than you should be. You know, too many people, they, they kind of yeah. get comfortable in just, I don't want to take risks. I don't know if it's the time to do it. And I've always been a risk taker and kind of, you know, the, the way I've gotten clarity um, on a lot of things in my life was not because I had clarity in that moment, but it was just because I kind of defaulted to action 
action and going, I know that if I keep putting one foot in front of the other and the direction I feel called, I'm going to find a way to connect the dots along the way. But of course that comes with failure and risk and, you know, uncertainty and all the, you know, stress and whatever it may be. But I'd much rather, you know, live a life of chasing what I feel called to instead of staying somewhere longer than I don't feel like I should be there. And, and that's what, you know, I try and hopefully my story, when I share it with certain people is like, I'm not special. I'm just, um, you know, I think entrepreneurs and investors and, and people that want to lead big lives, they look at, you know, kind of that uncertainty and like that unknown as a call to adventure and, and knowing that you're going to find and learn things about yourself um, versus the people who kind of get bitter and live, you know, mediocre, sad, boring lives because, you know, they're, they're not willing to bet on themselves. Totally. And let's dive into your mindset. So you use the word calling in, in a couple different places there. So was your journey one where as you're leveling up, it was really about, Hey, this each step is a greater financial opportunity, or was it an attempt to find out these higher opportunities were more in line with who you were as a person, your personality? Can you define how you uh, think about calling. Yeah. I mean, I would be lying if I said I wasn't, you know, uh, motivated by money. I think, you know, there's definitely when you don't have any of it, you desire to have more of something. And there's some thread of, you know, motivation that comes from that. And as I've hit certain financial milestones, you, you get less motivated by money and more motivated by other things, impact on others, what it does for your family, you know, things that are way bigger than yourself. And when I was early on in my journey, um, you know, it was about creating financial security and kind of unlocking just the first step, which is just financial security, number one. Then number two is your financial security starts to unlock more time freedom. And so as you start getting more time freedom and you can figure out how you want to allocate, you know, and spend your time. To me, then it started to become as I became a father, I have two daughters and my wife, then it started becoming more about relationship impact. And like, how can I use my time to impact the relationships and the people that are really important to me? Um, and I think, and I haven't really necessarily gotten to this stage yet, but I've, you know, heard it and learned it from a lot of my other mentors who are further down the path than me is you start to get into a real pay, uh, place of like purpose and impact and like really making a difference beyond your personal relationships and your personal time freedom and like really making a ripple effect in the world and more exponential change and impact. So I know that's something, you know, in my future that I want, but right now it's, uh, it's about spending my time in the areas that, um, you know, I really feel need me and 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 that's my wife and you know right now going back to the word calling i feel like my marriage and my kids who are eight and five those are years that i will never get back with them and they think i'm the coolest motherfucker on the planet right now so i know that's not gonna <laughs> stay that way forever and so i want to just squeeze i've got you know and that's the beauty of being in groups like go abundance i joined go abundance when i was you know 24 i'm 34 now um you know, being around guys that are way further down the path than you are just people that can bring wisdom and, and, and collective experiences and, you know, learning from other people's failures. Um, I knew that I, there was no amount of success that I was willing to get at the expense of my kids and my wife. 
And I've seen so many people who are financially killers and crushers, but they're bankrupt in their health. They're bankrupt in their marriages. They're bankrupt as parents. And I was like, man, I don't, I don't want to be one of those people. I want to make as much money as I can, but I don't want to do it at the expense of the people I say I'm doing it for. And I don't want to do it at the expense of my morals and my values. And so it was kind of, you know, finding that balance. And so that's really where, you know, every decision I make is made off of my core values. Now that it's not necessarily driven by money, it is, there's a, there's definitely decisions that are made off of, you know, kind of financial strategy, but at the same time, it's, it's a lot of what I'm doing right now and where I'm feeling called to is like, is this aligned with my core values? Is this aligned with who I say I am? Cause I know there's a lot of people that, um, you know, their audio and what they, you know, the, the shit they talk, you know, so to speak is not aligned with their video and how they actually lead and live their lives. And so I really wanted to make sure that my, cause I did lead a lot, a long part of my life with my audio totally misaligned with my video. And, um, and when you feel that alignment and, and you follow through on that alignment, the confidence, the trust that it not only builds with yourself, but builds with other people, um, you know, it leads to some really cool things. So I just, uh, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. You know, I always tell people I'm not the smartest, fastest or strongest. I'm just really good at being dumb enough to believe in myself every day and smart enough to take action around the things that are aligned with my values and who I say I am. And I kind of just trust that, you know, the breadcrumbs on the path are going to lead me to uh, some pretty cool stuff. That's so awesome, man. So, so what I really want to dive deep on is you talk about every deal is an ordeal. So what challenges have you faced with success that you didn't anticipate? Oh man. I mean, I think, you know, all kinds of stuff as most humans do. Um, finding the balance of, you know, you know, hustling and grinding and being obsessed with your work and your mission. And then obviously having balance at home and being present, um, you know, not always being in a hurry to get from where you're at to where you're going next and like really be there in the moment and, you know, enjoy, um, you know, all that life has to offer. I mean, I have definitely, you know, had the, the spiritual and the, you know, kind of personal growth journey that comes with, you know, constantly seeking more and wanting to grow and elevate your life, your finances, your health, your marriage, all of that kind of stuff. Um, and then, you know, of course there's like real skills and disciplines and, and growth that comes of like being a better, you know, business owner and leader. Like nobody puts a, a, you know, a chip in your brain and all of a sudden you're Tony Robbins and you can lead and inspire and motivate your team and employees. Nobody, you know, teaches you how to uh, read a, a P&L and a balance sheet and how to create cash flow projections. And like, so there's at, at every stage, right? I think, you know, you've probably, and many people have heard that every level has new devils. And, and, and I believe that to be true, you know, as, uh, I continue to, you know, find new levels of growth in my personal journey and my marriage and my, you know, parenting and, um, you know, my businesses and wealth building, like there's always some new blind spot that I get exposed to. And I think that's probably the one thing that I try and encourage and remind myself of is just like to keep that humility every single day that I don't know shit. And the second I start thinking, you know, that I'm the man and I know everything I know that I have wisdom based on my experiences, but there's also a lot every time, you know, you kind of 
hit a wall, you realize, damn, I don't know it all. And so constantly looking for teachers is probably one of my, you know, why I do the podcast is um, I'm a good question asker. I'm a very curious person all the time. And I don't, you know, shy away from asking um, good questions, tough questions. And so, you know, constantly being a student, knowing that there's teachers all around you. And, you know, it's, um, I remember when I was interviewing Robert Herjavec from Shark Tank one time, and I said, what's one of the greatest lessons that he was very um, adamant about his dad being one of the greatest leaders in his life. And I asked him, what is one of, you know, the greatest lessons that your dad taught you? And he was talking about his dad being on his deathbed and saying that his greatest takeaway that he still uses today is his dad told him, everybody has something to teach you, but it is not their responsibility to give it to you. It is your job to go and find ways to extract that wisdom and knowledge out of people and find ways to leverage it and use it to serve you and to serve others. And so that really resonated with me. I was like, damn, you know, like constantly coming from a place of curiosity and knowing that whether it's the homeless dude sitting on the corner, it's the grocery clerk, you know, it's the smartest CEO, you know, that you look up to in your town or your industry everybody's got something to teach you. And it's, it's our job to figure out what that is and extract it and apply it in our own unique way to our own unique journey and, and see how that, you know, um, can, can bring value to your world or to other people's world. So that was, that was a big one for me in terms of, you know, how I'm consistently looking to find ways to grow. And it's just staying humble every day, attacking every day with, you know, that humility, but also like real curiosity and like, an urgency to get the most out of people, to get the most out of myself, to get the most out of my business. You know, that's, that's what I try and do is just optimize every day. You, and you have so much energy and so much passion. I mean, it just leaps off the screen as we're interviewing. You don't seem to have any shortage of confidence. And this is what I want you to unpack your brain for a second, because when I'm experiencing, I, I'm experiencing a very confident human being. And yet earlier you said, I don't know shit. So can you balance for us, how do you build this Maddie A that is like one of the most confident, you know, human beings on the planet, but also has a balance of not knowing anything? Yeah, I mean, I, I call that the likability factor. I think um, you, we all know those people, like when you kick it with them and you're like, dude, I like that guy or that girl is amazing. Like when you leave the conversation or you leave the kind of experience with them, you're like, I would kick it with them more. I would spend more time with them. Like they inspired me. They energized me. They motivated me, you know, and, and, and I started boiling that down over the years. Cause I'd heard more of that from people saying that to me. And I was like, humbled by that, it, that, that meant a lot to me. And I was like, so what is that? Like, how could we boil that down and give more of that to other people? Cause I don't think I'm that special. And I was boiling down certain qualities and characteristics and asking questions over the years. And I kind of boiled it down to a couple of things. Um, one is humility. Like number one is truly being just humble to say, I don't know it all. I'm not that awesome. But pairing that with a level of confidence in who you are individually, like you, Matt, you, Tim, me, Matt, like we're all unique and badass in our own ways, different probably, but like being confident in who you are and what you bring to the table, that humility paired with confidence. And then the last one, which I think all successful people just have this in them is just this 
grit and this grind and this willingness to just work their asses off. And so like humility with confidence, with hard work. And then the last one being always looking to add value to people, like unselfishly, just looking to bring and add value. You have those four things. You become a pretty likable person in a lot of people's eyes. And so for me, you know, that was something that as I started doing more of that, because I got the same insecurities as everybody else does, imposter syndrome, am I good enough? Should I be in this room? Like, can I do that? Um, and every level, you still have that, to be honest. I mean, I still have insecurities, you know, as a, as a human, but I just acknowledge the fact that, yeah, I'm insecure in certain areas, but that's also what makes me human and it doesn't make me any less than. And that's been a journey, dude. I mean, that's taken a lot of, I've done spiritual work. I've done, you know, a lot of different retreats. I've been in personal development since, you know, I was, my mom was dragging me to personal development conferences when I was 14 years old. Um, and that's come with good and bad things, right? Like all kinds of stuff. So I think it's just constantly my, my thing is I try and stay as aware as I possibly can, um, around a lot of those things that either do serve me or don't serve me. And I'm just really good at like making small, quick pivots and adjustments, but I still have all the same, you know, uh, issues that I think everybody, you know, gets caught up in their own head. One of my early mentors always said, man, that your, your mind is one of the most dangerous places to be. So don't be there alone for too long. And so that's where <laughs> I started like leaning on more people of like, as a man, we don't talk about our feelings very much, or at least I grew up in that kind of masculine environment. And now it's like, shit, bro, I'll talk about anything and everything with, with, you know, certain trusted counsel and people I call on my board of directors. I've got kind of people in all the categories of my life, marriage, parenting, health, fitness, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And when I'm struggling or I need to, you know, get some, get some work done, or I need somebody to, you know, retool me a little bit, you know, I I've found a way to have certain trusted counsel in my board of directors of not staying in my own head for too long and, and going in and doing the work that's needed. Yeah, totally. I want to talk about the pillars. So GoBundance has pillars of like lifestyle, adventure, family, relationship, spirituality, et cetera. And you've referenced those throughout this conversation. If, if you, how have you current, like in the past and how are you currently weighting those pillars? Are they all equal or do you weight them differently? How do you determine where to place, place that energy? Yeah. I mean, I think it's all based on, you know, seasons and like this, this season that I'm in right now, you know, the first kind of 10 years of my career, big season was all about finances and wealth building and like establishing myself. Um, I was heavily investing in myself in terms of building business skills and personal growth. And that was way more weighted than like, am I giving my time back and, you know, doing charitable giving to other people? I was like, I need to figure my own shit out before I start going and serving and helping everybody else. Right. And I call that kind of like strategic selfishness. I think a lot of people feel guilty or are told they have to go and give to other people whether you're a mom and you're constantly giving and giving to your kids and to your marriage and you've got nothing left for yourself, you got to be strategically selfish and like put you first because if you're depleted all the time, your cup is very limited of what you have to pour into other people and they ain't going to get the best of you. Same thing of, you know, if you're constantly giving and giving and giving to other people and you have nothing left for yourself, you're just not giving the best of you to other people. Now, of course, you don't want to be like a selfish asshole or, you know, something like that. But 
that being said, you know, I was in a, in a season of just like serving and pouring into myself and constantly giving and giving to me, which ultimately has put me in a position now where my season is I'm pouring into my, my, my girls and I'm pouring into my wife because, you know, that is the most important, you know, part of my life right now. And the season I'm in, you know, knowing that I, I'm not going to have that, you know, and it's fleeting and I'm not going to be able to go back and get those years back. Right. So, um, for me, you know, I, I constantly look at all of them. I, you know, I talk, we have heard many people talk about the, the whole life millionaire and living, you know, uh, as intentionally and purposefully to become a millionaire financially as you do in your marriage, as you do with your kids, as you do with your health, as you do with leadership, as you do. But at the end of the day, let's be honest, like nothing is perfectly balanced. I think it's more so about um, counterbalance and known when one is getting way too, like if you were to, you know, stand up on one leg and put your arms out, you wouldn't stay balanced for 10 hours straight. You'd probably lean one side to the left. And when you start leaning too far to the left, you figure out a way to counterbalance and kind of bring your back self to center. So um, I just threw tracking of habits and goals and you know, kind of doing reflection work and exercises, it just gives me the ability based on where my priorities are at to make sure that, you know, my, my balance is not falling too far out of whack with any certain thing. Um, so those are some of the things I, I've kind of boiled it down to what I call the rich life, like R-I-C-H is my acronym and, um, you know, making purposeful and intentional, um, goals and things around your relationships, personal and professional for the R. I is your income and investments. How do you find ways of enhancing and scaling your income to use that disposable income to go and build, you know, more wealth and freedom through investments? Uh, C is your community and contribution and all the relationships and the people that you spend time with and who, you know, impact you and who you impact and give back to. And then H is health, you know, mental, physical, and spiritual investing in, in that without it, you know, obviously we, ain't, we ain't kicking. So, um, so that's what I believe, you know, is kind of like the foundational pillars of a really rich and fulfilling life that goes beyond just a bunch of dollars and zeros in your bank account. Totally. I've always admired your health, like physical fitness. Like you have been a fit dude in every video that I could find <laughs> and you have reached meteoric success. So I know you've had to put in the grinds at times. I know you've had to take on stressful situations as these ordeals that you're solving. Can you define like mentally, how do you balance? And then like, what are the you know techniques and practices that you do to stay in such good health? For me, man, it's been, um, it's just, that's probably the, I, I took inventory a couple years ago. I think we all know when, you know, you're, you kind of feel like you're in that state of flow and like everything's just hitting on all cylinders and you, you almost feel like lightweight invincible. Like if you put something in front of me, I'm going to destroy this shit. Like I got, I'm in a, I'm just in a dangerous zone. I call that being weaponized. And so I started taking inventory of like when I'm weaponized, when I'm in that season, cause I've been in the complete opposite where I'm way off. I'm not doing my shit. I'm drinking, I'm eating off my nutrition. I'm not sleeping right. You know, all that kind of stuff. Um, when I'm weaponized, what's going on? And for me, I boiled down to two main things. Like there was a bunch of stuff on that list, but I, the two main things that if those two things were off, everything else started to fall right behind it was when me and my wife are not aligned and we're not in a good space. Or number two is when I'm not working out. When I work out consistently, which I've really been in sports my entire life since I was three, I've never stopped working out 
pretty much 365 days a year, whether that's literally just doing a 30 or 45 minute walk outside, or usually I get in the gym and I'm doing, you know, yoga a couple of times a week. I'm doing, you know, some type of weightlifting. I play in a basketball league. Um, you know, those are things that it just kind of has become a part of like me and ingrained in my DNA. And when I'm not doing those things, that's usually one big domino that leads to other dominoes falling behind it. So I would just tell people like our bodies were designed to move. We are not made to be like sedentary and, and sitting around and being lazy. So even if you can just figure out one activity that you know you could do at a bare minimum every day, 365 days a year, which is fucking walking, like just get your ass outside and go for a walk, you know, or if you don't want to go outside, get a treadmill in your house, but like walking every day. And now with YouTube and all the stuff that you can pop up a 15 or 20 minute little thing and do it in your house, it's so easy. But for me, I like being outside. I get a lot of peace and clarity and, and, and connection when I'm in nature. Um, so that's kind of what my, my workout rhythm and routine looks like. And then, you know, I am not always like you put sweets and, you know, cook, if there's cookies in the house, like I'm not eating one, I'm eating the whole box, you know, like you make cinnamon rolls, like I'm not eating one, I'm eating the whole sleeve. So for me, I try and eliminate, you know, uh, temptations for myself. I do meal plans and meal preps. I try and do one type of physical challenge a year. Like last year I did 75 hard you know, this year, um, I'm going to do Jesse Itzler's, uh, you know, summit to, uh, so like just finding things that, you know, you can future pace yourself to that are going to require some discipline and some, you know, some stretching that, that force you to kind of go outside of your, your comfort zone and, and not getting too complacent with doing the same things over and over again. So that's what that looks like for me on that front. Totally. Speaking of future pacing, as visionaries, a lot of times we can spend our mental energy, emotional energy in the future, like creating the life that we want. How much time do you say, do you think you put in the future versus like in the present? How, how do you balance those two thought processes? Yeah. I mean, for me, I definitely have had to work on that because it was constantly thinking about the future over and over again, which I think is really important. Um, but you don't want it to like rob you of the present moment, which for me was a big part of what I was doing for a really long time. Like I was always thinking about where I was going next versus just appreciating where I was at in the moment. Um, and I, and I know that robbed me of a lot of, you know, probably connection and fulfillment and happiness. Um, but I just do, you know, I'm a, I'm a big kind of tracker. So I, uh, track my goals weekly and monthly and quarterly. Um, I do a year end and a quarterly reflection on, you know, ground that was covered and kind of the lessons and obviously kind of what, what the next quarter looks like. So I don't try and look too far ahead anymore. I'm usually playing in 90 day sprints. Um, and then I do set every year. I go back and I revisit my three to five year vision and what I want my life to look like and kind of what ground I've accomplished and then what kind of the new goal post and marker is because I do think it's important to dream and, you know, to like, I, I literally have behind me, um, a vision board and I made this vision board two years ago. And I would say about 70% of that vision board is accomplished. And I thought that was like a 10 year vision board. <laughs> so I think it's important to like get clarity and forecast some shit, you know, like get excited about what you and your mind, your brain can actually think up as possible for you and that you want and desire and just give yourself permission to dream it up. 
But then of course, like by getting clear on what that is, then you can get that much more purposeful in the plan that you create. Cause doers, we do, mm-hmm. we get after shit, we execute, but we also very dangerous. We mistake movement for achievement. And because sometimes we don't know what should we be working on? Where should we be giving our time? What should we invest in? What habits should we be building? What relationships do I need in order to go out and get this whatever? And so for me, it was like, I know that the more purposeful I am with my plan and my vision, I know I can get in and execute and get after it. And so that's where I think it is important to have some of that vision set out. Um, But, you know, you don't want that to rob you from being present in the moment and enjoying the journey that you're on too. What a beautiful response. I mean, I just, I love everything that you said there, in particular, the 90 day sprints. Like that's a, that's something I'm a huge fan of as well, um, because it's a great way to test something out and then reflect on it, right? So it's a way to get the future and the present at the same time. It's like, hey, totally. I, just, I just found this out for 90 days. How did it go? What can I do better, right? Um, I would like to kind of piggyback off of Matt's question again here. Um, so. Basically, he said, as visionaries, you're always looking towards the future, but you need to balance that out with the present. So I'd like to rephrase it a little bit. Um, How do you know if you're focusing too much on the future and you're not putting enough emphasis on the present? Mm, I mean, I think there's danger in romanticizing what can be and actually taking away from your ability to execute on building that in real time. And I think a lot of people often, you know, overestimate what they can do in a year and underestimate what they can do in 10 years. I mean, I, I get people that set goals and, you know, cause I've got the rich life planner and, and that's the tool and the resource that I use. Um, you know, cause I was so obsessed with goal setting. I created my own planner, uh, that worked for me and, some people I see, I'm going to make a million dollars this year. And I'm like, what'd you make last year? I made 60,000. Well, shit, then make the goal 150. Like, come on, you know, <laughs> like let's, let's be realistic about what is possible and use the stepping stones and the, and the growth that comes in hitting certain milestones, you know, to be the momentum building. Cause I think too many people get so excited about this grand idea and vision and they romanticize about how much money they can make or or what, you know, they're going to accomplish this year or in five years. And, and they forget that small, smart, consistent choices over an extended period of time lead to big results. So instead of like trying to get this lightning in a bottle moment in the next 12 months, why don't you just get base hits for the next, you know, three years and you're going to see that you're putting runners on base and points upon the board instead of swinging for the fences and trying to hit a home run or a grand slam every time you get into the batter's box. And so that's where I think it's important to don't get me wrong. I never want to be that guy that's like, oh, that's too big for you. Don't dream of that, you know, but at the same time, I think a dose of reality, you know, is uh, as David Osborne says, you know, too many people smoke on that hopium all the time. And they just, you know, they <laughs> hope and dream and they forget that, like, just create a, a plan that isn't sexy in terms of like having to do small, smart choices consistently over an extended period of time and small things 
done over and over again for a long period of time add up to really big things. And so I think that's really, really important to think about when you're setting goals is, you know, don't sell yourself short, but, um, but if you're going to go for a big goal, I, tell me how you're going to make a million dollars. Then, like, I want to see the plan. I want to know that you broke that down. You have the vehicle for doing it. You have the relationships for doing it. You know exactly what you're going to do and how you're going to get there. But if you're just saying you want a million bucks just because it sounds good and it's sexy and it excites you, I think that's, that's the wrong approach. Totally. Yeah. I mean, and obviously like focusing on your standards and your activities is what actually makes the goals work anyway. So if you set the right standards and activities, you'll surpass the smaller goals and build confidence and so on 100%. and so forth. I'm really curious. You're in experiential phase. That's something that you're super passionate about is building these experiences for people, for yourself, for investors. Do you believe that one, do you love that so much? And two, is it working so well because it ties both the future and the present together in the sense that like, as you create these experiences, it binds you to the present moment with your future investors and so on and so forth. 100%. I mean, why I love, you know, kind of experiential investing, why I got into hotels was I was like, this is the trinity of investments. It's a real asset that's tangible. It has all the benefits of real estate, cash flow, you know, tax write-offs, all of that kind of stuff. It's an operating business, but it has the real capacity to like create experiences. And for me, for my kids, for other families and people, and you know, like I can't, I drive by my, you know, commercial strip center every week with my kids. I can't, Hey, let's go in the liquor store and, you know, have some fun girls. Like you just can't do that. Right. I can't do that in my apartment buildings, but I can take them up to, and I do, I take them, we go up to the hotels in Lake Tahoe multiple times a year. Some of our best memories our 4th of July and New Year's and all the fun that we've had at these assets that kick off all the other benefits. But that's way more important to me. Like the ROI on the experience, the ROE, I, we call it return on experience, is more important to me now than honestly any other component of real estate investing. And that obviously has come as kind of like the cherry on top as, you know, the financial abundance has grown over time. But now I just look at of going, well, I know I'm not going to be able to take all this stuff to my, my deathbed. So how do I make and live the most epic life while I'm here on this planet, which is a very short period of time in the timeline of earth. It's through experiences and memories. And so I want to get to my deathbed and, and, you know, measure success, not by how much money and net worth and passive income I have. I want to get to my deathbed and, and measure success as looking back in the rear view mirror and all of my life play out in front of me and go, shit, dude, that was a hell of a ride. That was the good, the bad, the ugly, all of it. But like just, and, and most of the stuff that I know I'm most likely going to remember. And I do up until this point at, you know, age 34 has been experiences with amazing people. And, and that's what I want to keep finding ways to create more of. Love this. You talk about ROE, return on energy, or maybe even return on experiences. And so you have like that as a metric. That is one of the most profound metrics that I discovered a few years ago, which is like, if you just focus on creating energy, then you do more, you achieve more, you're happier. Like energy seems to be the source of life. Can you talk about how do you quantify, measure, and grow your return on energy? Hmm. I mean, that's a good question. I haven't really thought of how I quantify it. I know for me, um, it's more so like, I believe, you know, energy wise, 
we all have the ability to elevate our energy. Like that's not a skill that people don't have access to build. It's something that truly anybody could be an energy creator. And so thinking about your environment, thinking about the people you spend time with, um, cause there's people that are going to give you energy. There's going to people that drain your energy. There's going to be environments that give you energy. There's going to th- be environments that drain your energy. There's going to be habits or perspectives or resources that give you or drain your energy. So I just try and stay aware around those things, um, which I do an energy audit every year, usually of like, who did I spend the most time with? And did they give me energy or did they tra- take my energy? You know, where did I spend most of my time with or what events or experiences or podcasts gave me energy or drained my energy and just try and kind of keep my awareness up around that in terms of quantifying it. That's a good question. I don't know how I necessarily would quantify, you know, my return on energy, but in terms of return on experience, you know, I, I definitely look at how I am investing my money or my time and, and what experience was created out of that. And again, coming back to kind of just the, you know, awareness piece, if it was a legendary experience, I look at the people and the environment that I was in and what I was doing and how I can go and continue to, to get more of that in my life, whether that's, you know, integrating some of those things, like everywhere I travel now, I'm like, Ooh, can I add that into my hotel? Or can I create and add one of those into my event? Cause I know that to me, it's, it's, it's hard to quantify cause it just gave me a feeling, you know, it, it just like infused something in my mind, my heart, my, you know, my body. Um, so I think it's just, you know, finding more ways of doing what you love and what gives you life and gives you energy and doing less of the stuff that doesn't. And, and to me, it's more of just an awareness piece than it is like an actual quantifiable piece. Totally. Yeah. Same here. You're just, is it plus or minus? Am I moving up or am I moving down? Yeah. Love this. The 18 year old Maddie a probably would have no clue of what current day Matt is doing. Now, if you in current day had to predict what you in the 20 year future is doing, what would you project? Just for the record, something epic. I I've always believed, and I think everybody that you know lives a really cool life like believes that they they don't necessarily know where or what it's where they're going to go or what it's going to look like, but they are they are up for whatever it is. And and so for me, if you would have told me I'm buying hotels and investing in distilleries and you know owning commercial real estate, I would believe you if you told me that but I wouldn't be able to envision it at that point in time. And so for me, I think, you know, um, the, the 18 year old Matt knew that he was, he was, uh, and, and I heard this on a podcast the other day and I thought it was brilliant. It was like something along the lines of every successful and great person. They know, like they truly know they're special. Like I guarantee Tim, Matt, you know, myself, all the listeners that are listening, like, you know, deep down in your soul, like you have something special about you. The other thing he added to that, which I thought was really cool was, you know, you're special, but then there's also this insecurity around imposter syndrome. And that's what forces us to continue to challenge ourselves at playing bigger showing up bigger, 
performing and improving in ways because you feel like you need to earn the right to be there, to earn that specialness, to unlock that specialness. And I thought that was really cool because there's such like there's duality to both of those. Like I'm really special. I'm not that special. I need to get better, right? Like it's very interesting how those two play together. But I, I that resonated with me in a really big way because I've always believed that I'm special. And I knew that at 18 when I was fucking up and not doing, you know, what I should have been doing. And I know that at 34, I also felt like an imposter when I was 18 and I felt like an imposter at 34. And I think those dualities of life, you know, you can't have one without the other. You can't have hate without love. You can't have light without dark. You know, you can't have peace without war. So I think, you know, God created duality in life um, for there to be a lot of beauty that gets uncovered in between. And, and that's, that's what I believe, uh, you know, I will continue to uncover uh, from, you know, I'm sure you talked to me at 50 and you asked me what the, you know, would the 34 year old Nat believe where he's going to be? And I'll tell you, yes, I do believe. I just don't know what it's going to look like yet. <laughs> that is absolutely a brilliant response. Um, I really love what you went into with the duality there with imposter syndrome and having that feeling that you have something special inside of you. Cause like when you were saying it, I was just like, yeah, I've always had that feeling without a doubt, right? but imposter syndrome is it's something that I've dealt with, and you've brought it up a couple times now, so I think I'd like to dive a little bit deeper into it because I think it's something extremely common with entrepreneurs. Like, if you knew somebody struggling with imposter syndrome right now, what would you tell them to try to assist them in overcoming it? I mean, I, I, I would tell them just to, to be okay with the fact that you probably are an imposter, and that's why you're feeling it, you know? But that's also... Um, when I accepted that I didn't feel like I was go abundance is a perfect example. You're around a bunch of people that are constantly doing great shit are bragging on their big wins are talking about all the amazing things that are going on in their life. There's a lot of reflection that goes, damn, I should be doing more. Damn. Do I even deserve to be in this conversation? Man, they're like at 20 and I'm at five. Like I don't, you, right. Like, we, I think we are, are, are designed, you know, as humans in some way to like feel inferior in the way society has kind of, you know, created a lot of these constructs. It's, it's just unfortunately baked into, you know, our subconscious in so many different ways and so many different capacities. The other thing though, is I think when you can, for me, I use those types of points as like real inspiration and motivation to elevate. Those are usually the areas where you feel like you're an imposter. It's probably because there's some truth there. And, you know, that old famous adage and quote of like, you know, the truth will set you free. When I lean into the truth, I've had some mentors, I've had friends, I've had my wife, I've had my parents tell me truths before that really fucking hurt my feelings. Like it, it truly like cut me deep. And I think there's two people in this world that use truth to motivate and inspire and challenge and metamorphosize them into bigger and better, stronger, wiser, more valuable humans. And then I think there are people that unfortunately, sadly, allow truth to make them more bitter and more angry and weaker and more complacent. And so I would just say if you're feeling like an imposter right now, 
there's probably some truth to explore in some of those areas. And that truth, if you lean into it, will probably set you free if you go in and do the work that you need to do. Yeah. And I just want to explore this thought with you a little bit. And this is going to be an experiential process here because I don't have the answers. You might know it. So, so basically, I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah. You have this, this specialness that, you know, and I'd say that's true of Tim and I too. We know we're meant for greatness. And then you have the fact that you're looking at these guys who have climbed the mountains that you're thinking about climbing. So you have a sense of here's what's possible. Here's where I'm at. So there's a healthy appreciation for where you're at, where you can go. So you're constantly aware that you're nothing because you know what's up there, but yet you're special. So does the specialness come from what you've already achieved or does the specialness come in spite of what you achieve? Like, yeah, just deep down, it doesn't matter what I've accomplished, I'm special. I, I personally don't think, like I think um, awards and accolades and, and that kind of stuff is great. It's cool. I think it's somewhat of an acknowledgement in, in, in value or achievement that you've unlocked. But in terms of like specialness, nah, I think that's, that's all from within. Like I know people, really special people, really wise people, really impactful people. And, and they worked making $50,000 a year for 40 years straight. Like, and nobody fucking knows their name, but they're special. And so I personally, my opinion is, I think there are people who have great awards and achievements and acknowledgements and, and, and eyes on them and are influential and are big names and leaders. And I think they are special as well. But then I think there's a lot of people that are flying under the radar that no one has ever known in the history of mankind that were really fucking special. I think there's people today that are leading and living very special lives and are very special people and no one will ever know about them. Um, I think that's an inside job for sure. Oh, you are 100% correct there. I can guarantee you, Matty A, somebody listening right now feels like they're special and they're not accomplishing what they want to and they're not accomplishing what they think they're capable of. Mm -hmm. So that person who's listening now, I'm talking to you, what would you say to that person? <laughs> um, how do they take care or how do they um, let their inner specialness, we'll just call it, flourish? Let me give you some context to this question too. I walked into a Walmart a couple nights ago to buy a cable for to connect our A10 Mini so we could do some video switching. And so I go in there, it's late. I end up talking to this gal. She's super impressive. She's special. I think you would you would probably agree if you had met her. She's a teacher, so she teaches kids all day long, and then she works at Walmart at night to provide for her, her daughter. So I wanted to let her know how special, but if, if that's the woman you're talking to, you're talking to the woman that's working a night job at Walmart as a second career, she knows deep down she's special, but she's not acting upon it. What do you say to her? Yeah, I mean, I think for those people, number one is, is acknowledging and just giving yourself a fucking pat on the back. Like, you, you, your external accomplishments do not mirror or reflect the specialness you have inside you. The second thing I would say to that though, is for those types of people who really feel called going back to what I said in the beginning of the, the interview, don't stay somewhere longer than you know, you're not supposed to be there. And that's fucking a scary answer, but it is the answer. And, and honestly, every time I've taken a leap of faith, I'm scared. Like, I don't know if this is going to work out for me, you know, and it's always in hindsight, easier to connect the dots, looking backwards and being like, thank God I did that. Thank God I bet on myself. Thank God I made that investment. Thank God I showed up at that conference or whatever it is. Right. 
Like it's always easier to connect the dots looking backwards than it is looking forward. If I go to that conference, will something happen for me that then changes my life, that then introduces me to a person that puts me in this opportunity and five years later, I'm making $250,000 a year instead of working at Walmart and teaching? Like, I don't, I don't know. But that's, that's the beauty of like taking the risks and betting on your specialness. That's what I keep telling people. I am just dumb enough to believe in myself. I'm dumb enough to believe that my specialness if I take action every day, will lead me to something better than me being scared and living a mediocre life. And that's what I tell myself. I'm just an idiot. I'm a big idiot about I believe in myself that much. And I'm, again, I'm not, you know, an MIT grad. You know, I don't have all kinds of wisdom. I'm just, I'm just dumb enough to believe in my specialness and I'm smart enough to act on it every day. That's incredible. I already know you're financially free, but I know you've got some big aspirations, but let's, let's put a number in your bank account, a billion dollars, a trillion dollars, whatever it's going to take. So where that, that part of your thing is crossed off, so to speak, what does your life look like when money's absolutely of no object? Oh man. I mean, I've, I've, I've wrestled with this for some time. Um, to me, it's it's no longer about a net worth number. Like that's just a scorecard, um, you know, passive income. I think once you like, if if I unlocked a hundred thousand a month in passive income, which is kind of like that's my holy grail number, you know, one point two million dollars a year in passive income, I can change a lot of lives with that and lead an insanely epic life, um, and then some. So like that's just kind of a because I'm a I I got to have a target and a milestone. So like that's my number. But in terms of like measuring, you know, net worth and that's just going to, who knows, you know, what, what if the government prints another quadruple trillion gazillion makes up some new number in two decades and I'm worth a gazillion, you know, like I, I try not to get stuck in that. I just think that the more passive income, the more you unhook every decision you make on a daily basis that is tied to money the more you fall in alignment with the true purpose and impact that you can have in this world on yourself, on your family, on people that look to you. So my thing is to continue to find ways to unhook myself from any decisions that are being made by money and, and, and kind of trust in where that will lead me. Absolutely beautiful. I just, I love how you just said you kind of fall into alignment there. Um, so Maddie, hey, like over the next 12 to 18 months, like what are you guys going to be working on? What is your vision? What kind of alignment are you going to be falling into? Yeah, for me, I have really, as I've said before, gotten extremely passionate about creating experiences for people. And so whether that is experiences through, you know, our wealth, wine and dine events, um, you know, at certain intimate settings with people who listen to my podcast, Millionaire Mindcast, um, whether that is at the hotels, um, this distillery company, um, working on kind of a cool project uh, there and, you know, how we can create experiential dining through different uh, 3D artwork and projection mapping and, you know, the engagement of art 
with physical spaces and augmented reality. So got some cool projects that are a little bit more tech driven in the experiential side of things that I'm really excited about over the next, you know, few years. Um, and, you know, I love bourbon and whiskey and spirits. So um, tying that spirits brand into my hospitality brand is something that I'm excited about. And, you know, hopefully finding ways to just connect other great quality people in physical proximity in great areas and great environments um, and kind of seeing where that leads me. Um, Maddie, you have so many cool things going on. Like what an impressive <laughs> amount of things to accomplish in the next 12 to 18 months. And I could, there's no doubt in my mind that you're going to pull it off too, brother. Um, thank you so much for your time. I do want to drop another plug for the Millionaire Mindcast show that you have. You've shot at least 199 episodes. I'd like to kind of put you on the spot, but not so much. Like just the first thing that comes to your mind. Like, what do you think is the best piece of advice that you've gotten on that show thus far? Man, I think, you know, for me, it kind of goes back to the the audio match in the video. Um, I've interviewed, I mean, I'm six and a half years in, I've interviewed over 500 people. I think I have like seven or 800 episodes. So that's just one season probably that you're oh. looking at. Um, so I've been able to just interview so many wise people. And, you know, I think the the number one thing that really starts to get unlocked for people when they start building and finding momentum in their life, because momentum is hard. You're like, you can't measure momentum. You can feel it, but you can't measure it and you can't touch it. Um, you can't necessarily see it, but you can feel it. And I know that for me and I've, you know, kind of seen and boiled it down with other people is like when real momentum starts to build in their life, it's when they really find alignment with themselves. And it's when like what they tell themselves, whether that's just spoken word in your brain, right? Or it's like spoken word out of your mouth, but then like your your actions and, and the video of how your life is playing out actually aligns with that. You start to build like this trust and this confidence and this love for yourself because you just know you're living in alignment with what you're saying and what you're doing. And I've, I've seen that for me, and I've seen that with so many other really successful people in many different ways that they say it, um, is like when you fall into alignment with your truth, with who you are, you start to love yourself, you start to build confidence in yourself, those feelings, you know, kind of, and those thoughts, you know, turn into real actions, which then those actions get real results. And based on those results, kind of re firms your programming and your feelings and your thinking. And so kind of like getting that circle and that wheel, you know, in alignment, I think um, can really make a big difference for some people. And it's pretty, pretty simple place to start. Dude. So this was such a gold mine of quotes, thought processes. I mean, just to get started, the discussion that was, that we had regarding like how to stay humble but yet recognize your specialness. So recognize the gifts and who you are and what you bring to the world and don't question that. And yet be so humble that you believe you don't know anything. And so it's like, you could just see this guy is a balance of incredibly high energy, incredibly high confidence and incredibly high humility, which you and I have talked about on past episodes, Tim, where it's generally people have either humility or confidence, not both. And this guy lays a pretty clear path for both and why both are absolutely necessary not to mention like the the goal setting process being reasonable and the quotes on hopium and the quotes on not staying too long in any one particular place so like let's do this in this let's tie a bow around this between recognizing your specialness 
staying humble, imposter syndrome, not staying in one place, and what it meant to us in this episode. Oh man, I could go a hundred different ways. Um, but I would really like to just hammer in this concept of like anybody out there that might be feeling special because I know there's probably hundreds, at least hundreds of people right now that have that same feeling where they feel like they were born to do something more than they're already accomplishing. And because they have that feeling, they're probably right. They just haven't taken the right risks um, and the right leaps of faith, as he kind of said. Essentially, you got to get out there before you could really have the success that you want. But I mean, if you have that feeling, you probably have something inside of you. And I love the duality, like to get back to what you were saying about the self or the imposter syndrome. Like the way he explained that is like a dual nature of not only do you feel special and know you're special, but you also feel like you're not special and you know that you're not special and you kind of need to reconcile those two emotions essentially as an entrepreneur. Yeah. Well, and so like you think of why would somebody not take action? It's, it's the imposter syndrome without believing in your specialness. So yeah. if you don't have a current belief that you're special, adopt one, borrow one from somebody, do something to gain the sense, because I think you have it, Tim, I have it. He has, it. it's like, there's a sense to where I knew, I know I'm meant for something more than what I'm doing now. And that's how I would define my specialness is that I know I'm built for more. Don't know exactly what yeah. that is. I might fail, but, but nonetheless, I know I'm built for more. So that's like the foundation is that knowing you're built for more. And then it's the fact that, well, maybe now all these limiting beliefs start to play in. Like, I don't have the energy. That's something that he talked about. I thought that was particularly interesting is he's like, energy is essentially, it's a choice. Like he talked about going and hanging out with friends. Some friends give you energy. Some friends don't like that resonates deeply. There's people in my life that if I go spend time with them, I'll be ready for a nap almost upon entering their front door. And then other people that like, I leave there like, yes, like, when do I get to hang out with them again? I've got so much energy. So if that's not an example of that energy is not at fixed quantity, you're not low energy person. You're just not putting yourself in environments that provide high energy for you. And so I would say that that's a huge play too, for me. Like if I, if I was developing a plan, it's like, first of all, figure out that you're special. So you know that there's something guiding you that says you have to do more, then start putting yourselves and monitoring your ROE. So you get your energy up to levels that make you feel like you can do this from an energy standpoint, recognize that when you take action on this thing, you're going to face challenges because every deal, every level up presents an ordeal, a challenge that you need to face. And then as you face it, look at it both within the fact that you're consistently reminding yourself that you're special, you're made for more, and you're going to accomplish, and yet you don't know anything and that you should always be open to learning and everybody has something to teach, but it's your job to get it out of them so that you can, in fact, continue to learn to overcome the challenges so that you can reach the goals and actualize your specialness. Maddie, hey, talk about a mic drop ending. That is so amazing. Like, I mean, that is actually also one of the most important things I think anybody listening, like finding alignment is like the most important thing you could possibly do. Like, it's like getting no caught in the jet stream, right? Like instead of all the resistance, like it takes it, it takes you with you. Like it's, yeah, <laughs> it's such a wonderful thing. Um, Maddie, A, we will have links to all the resources that you had mentioned in the show notes below, um, as well as some links to your podcast. Thank you so much for being on the show, giving us a glimpse into your life and into your business. And to those of you out there chasing freedom, if you're one of those people out there that feels like you might be special inside and you haven't quite lived up to it yet, 
Your specialness will take you far in life. All you have to do is be dumb enough to believe in yourself and to keep taking the right actions every day. It's really that simple. Go out there, take massive action, tell somebody you know that will hold you accountable, and before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll catch you on the next one.